If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to Dragon Quest FM. I'm Austin, and BJ's back! Yay! Woo! Yay! Yay! Uh, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, I felt kind of like George without Lenny the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I bet. I mean, if you had, uh, you know, not let me get around those kittens, it wouldn't have been a big deal. I was going to try a Gary Sinise impression, and I can't. I yeah, know that I don't just, have it in me. <laughs> just don't do it. Don't do well, it, Joel. Welcome back, Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's, that's not it. That okay, is, let's hear let's hear your John Malkovich impression. I, I, I can't. Like, I can't even think of what he sounds I mean, I can hear what he sounds like, but I don't even know where to even begin to get my accent and voice like that. It's like, I am John Malkovich. Like, no. No, he no. sounds like Woody Allen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Rain Man. Uh, so this week we're continuing our annual listeners q a we asked people online to submit questions we gathered them all together uh, from places like twitter patreon and dqfm email today we're answering some of those questions last week i actually answered all of these questions myself but because bj was out he couldn't answer these questions so today's episode is really just all of his answers and what he thinks about all of this stuff Uh, but first we have some good news. Uh, Dragon Quest XI-S, it's releasing on PS4, Xbox One, and Steam on December 4th, 2020. Which is fantastic. I saw this news, and it was initially for Xbox, and I didn't see anything about PS4 uh, at all. I just saw it was Xbox One and Windows, and I was like, man, are they really avoiding PS4 too? But no, it's coming out for everything, so everybody is going to be able to uh, play the 2D version and all the extra content. Yeah, and it's especially nice because the Xbox crowd uh, gets to play this amazing game, and hopefully it will get some of the Xbox gamers into Dragon Quest. I mean, it kind of opens up the market more uh, for those people, and it's available on Game Pass. So for people who maybe aren't necessarily going to buy the game uh, physically, it could still, you know, people discover it on Game Pass, and uh, that could really open Dragon Quest fandom up to another good like group of people i mean and i know that that's a huge deal for a lot of people that me included where i've subscribed to game pass on the pc before just to try out games because they'll run deals where you get like a month for 99 cents even though a month on pc game pass is just five dollars so you can actually play through uh, 11S on Game Pass when it comes out for like five bucks if they don't have a holiday season uh, sort of, of promo at the time. Like it's going to be crazy awesome. And even then uh, they've announced that the price is going to be $39. It's $39.99 instead of a full $59. So it's uh, uh, much more affordable for folks who are afraid of, you know, having to pay full price for a game they already own maybe multiple times or for folks who think that it's quote unquote just an upgrade. So it's like I'm I'm real tired of seeing people like that on uh, Twitter. I've I've actually stopped 
following some people and muted people who have said that. Like, I just don't need that negativity in my life. <laughs> so uh, let's, let's just jump straight into, <laughs> into the questions uh, before Lenny gets to petting some puppies too hard. <laughs> now, now, I do. Oh, was it puppies and not kittens? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's puppies, right? Okay, I, th- I was thinking it was a box of kittens that he petted, which is why I said that earlier in the... Okay. Oh, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure he kills a puppy by accident. He kills one of them by accident, but like, if it's puppies, yeah, it's just been a while since I've read it. I'm like 90% sure it's puppies. We're not even five minutes into the episode, and we're already talking about puppy murder. It's true. Uh, so this is dark. Yeah. Uh, question number one. Let's just go straight to it. Question number one comes from Twitter. At Tornico Taloon 97. Man, that's a hard one to say. It Asked, is. 11 blew the door wide open for lore. Where do you guys see the series going for 12? So where do you see it going, BJ? Uh, okay, so before I answer any of these, I want to say that I have not listened to yours last week on purpose because I didn't want to hear what you said and get influenced on these. So yeah. uh, where we would have any kind of discussion on them. So I wanted to uh, to just let that out there uh, in case I say the same thing or complete opposite of you. Um for me, I actually expect 12 now that I've seen the stuff that they're doing in the with like uh, uh, die coming out at the end of the year and all of it. I kind of think with 12, they may be uh, working towards something like nine again or three where you have more of a uh, party that you have control over and maybe with some multiplayer stuff. I think the way that they're moving toward just different kinds of dragon quest games right now that they would uh, move away from the super traditional stuff of 11 so i kind of expect maybe a multiplayer uh function of some kind and maybe a bit more customization in terms of your party and have more of a a focus on just the hero the question is in terms of lore in terms of lore see i just took it on where the series as a whole go um in terms of lore i expect it to be if not all new something completely different yeah with them going back and tying a lot of loose strands together just across Dragon Quest that they deal with stuff that you'll see in a lot of previous games, I kind of expect 12 to be that new, a, kind of a new frontier, a new section of it, kind of like the Zenithia trilogy is, where 12 I see them doing a lot more in terms of setting a new narrative moving forward than returning to old uh, conventions and, and ideas. Because they've kind of made it full circle. With 11, a lot of things came full circle. And I see 12, I see that giving them the option for 12 to be a new experience all the way around. Yeah, cool. So question number two came from email. Landy said, I listened to you guys, to you guys talk about your hopes and dreams of DQ12. You both mentioned a female protagonist, but what about a black protagonist? I love DQ, but I don't feel like they have representation for people of color, really. So what would you guys think about a person of color as a hero or just as a party member? I'm all now, for- I for- Oh, sorry. So I, I just forgot to mention, I read the question uh, in last week's episode and I answered it, but I did want to mention, uh, kind of going off of what I said in last week's episode, um, that... Uh, Landy did mention, because it was a longer email, but they did mention uh, that they don't feel like Toriyama can draw black people very well. <laughs> yeah, I could see it. I don't think I've ever seen him try. I did want to mention that, because last week I was talking about kind of the fine line between like caricature and representation. Yeah. And how Final Fantasy has been a little underwhelming for me in terms of like the Mr. T stereotype and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, so... 
Uh, anyway, so I just wanted to tack that on here. Uh, that Landy did mention that as well. Uh, so what? So, but what do you think? I would love for it to happen. I'm kind of afraid for the same reason you mentioned because of the cartoonishness of uh, Dragon Quest. Because I wouldn't want it to come across as a caricature. I wouldn't want the hero to be Barrett. Honestly, I mean, I in Final Fantasy VII. For those of you who who may not know, um, I played the Final Fantasy VII remake and the demo. Barrett was almost unbearable because he was such a stereotype. Like he fell into such a stereotype of a strong black man, uh, and I mean physically strong, like just the that stereotype. And over the course of the game, they softened that up and made him a real three-dimensional character but it really took me aback at first and i would worry about the simple aesthetics of dragon quest making it appear more caricatured but at the same time i would love to have something completely new about the uh, hero and more than uh, uh, having a female or anything else i would love to have a person of color uh, be the protagonist because I really do. I think that uh, that is pretty important in terms of this kind of game is we don't have a whole lot of uh, people of color in RPGs in general. That it's just very rare and it's it tends to get weird in terms of races uh, because a lot there's that thing about how a lot of the main characters and even party members look white but they're actually kind of, uh, they're supposed to be Japanese. And it's a very weird line for race. And I would love to see it. Like personally, I would love to have a uh, better representation. Uh, and I would rather have it be a hero than a party member, because then you get Barrett and like Saz from Final Fantasy 13. Yeah. I, I mentioned both of those actually uh, last week too. And I like Saz fine. Oh, I like him fine. He still falls into some of those uh, stereotypical uh, tropes oh, though. Yeah the time and uh even though i love the fact that he has a uh, baby chocobo chick living in his hair <laughs> yeah definitely and i think kind of just going off of what you said and some of the stuff i said last week is that you know dragon quest you know it does have people of color in it but they're always they're usually based upon spanish people because right. because it's all european and stuff so that's where you get like mina and maya and maybe like uh Silvando, sancho mori from eight, you know, you get these, um, you get these Spanish speaking people and maybe, you know, their skin is a little darker than others. Um, but I guess if you're comparing them, really, I guess Dragon Quest does have several like people of color as playable characters in their games. But, um, like I couldn't, when I was talking about this last week, I couldn't think of a single, like even black NPC Mm-mm. in Dragon Quest. Can you? know that when I saw the question, I was thinking through it and like, I can't see that model like in my head. The closest that I've seen is I think in Dragon Quest nine, and I'm not sure about 10, so I can't say anything about it because I haven't messed around with the character creator enough. You can actually make uh, brown skinned player characters in uh, Dragon Quest nine. So, I mean that, that, but it's still, it's yeah. uh it's, that's the only option that I can think of. I don't remember NPCs at all. And I actually feel like Dragon Quest has, in general, dropped the ball on this because you'll, like you mentioned, the, the Spanish folks, um, you'll see, like, in Dragon Quest VII, when, and even in Eleven, they have Egyptian-themed 
areas, especially in seven, where you're going to uh, the, uh, I can't remember the Nile and all of that, where people from Egypt are absolutely uh, brown skinned, but they are whitewashed in the areas in Dragon Quest. So I think that there's still, you know, a lot of room to improve there. Um, and the same thing, you know, goes for uh, the party members and uh, hero as well. Yeah, and and I actually just since since Landy mentioned uh, Toriyama's depiction of black people, oh. I actually uh, googled that, um, and yeah, it's not good. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. Oh no! Oh oh Toriyama! Oh no! I see where Landy's uh, like dilemma comes from. I actually had forgotten that uh, Mr. Popo and Dragon Ball had actually been recolored for the U.S. Uh, to blue, he had blue skin uh, because the the Japanese one where he has black skin, like actually black skin, looks like a uh, looks like blackface. I yeah, I'd forgotten all about Toriyama's thing. So yeah, I'm I think it would have to be done better than what I'm looking at right now on Google Images. Yeah, definitely, because I'm like, if that's what we're getting, yikes. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that's. Uh, Representation matters, and this is not the representation anyone wants. So let's continue on over here. Uh, the next one comes from one of our Patreon patrons, Alinzia. Uh, she said, I would love to hear your wife's thoughts on the series. So Grace gave her <laughs> thoughts last week. Um, this is going to be real fun for you. I told them last week uh, <laughs> this is going to be fun. What's Jennifer's thoughts on Dragon Quest? So I'm playing, I think, Dragon Quest Builders 2 on the TV at some point. And she comes into the room and she asks me what I'm playing and I tell her. And she's like, this isn't nearly as serious as I thought it was. And I'm like, yeah, Dragon Quest isn't serious at all. And uh, I was like, it never really has been. And she's like, but weren't there some pretty serious ones like on the Xbox? And I was like, no, not. And then I thought she's like, I'm thinking of Dragon Age. She was like, I've been thinking this entire time that you guys have been doing a podcast, and the only thing I'm thinking of is the Dragon Age game. She was like, I don't know anything about this. And so that's what <laughs> my wife thinks about the series, is uh, that it is like Dragon Age, or that it is Dragon Age. And uh, it's just, this is not her kind of game at all. Like, we have the slime controller on the console of the TV and everything, and she has bought me the stuff now, but it was really funny at the time where uh, she was like, oh, I've been thinking this was the wrong game altogether, and she still hasn't played any of them. While you were answering that, I looked up, just so I could have them side-by-side, <laughs> Dragon Age screenshots versus Dragon Quest screenshots. Oh, yes. Because I, I knew what I was getting myself into, but it's still just seeing them back-to-back is a very, uh, it's it's something. <laughs> yeah, side-by-side. I mean, and I like the Dragon Age games. Dragon Age Origins is really cool, and I didn't like Inquisition, but those are good Bioware games. And then it is not Dragon Quest, though. I don't think I've ever played a single one of them, but I'm not super into, like, American RPGs, as we've talked about. So Yeah, and they're they're very serious and dark, so don't, you, you would not like it. Yeah, I don't think I would like it very much, but <laughs> so so yeah. So there's Jennifer's thoughts on Dragon Quest or Dragon Age, depending yep. on how you. It depends on how you look at it. Question number four is a two-parter. It's from uh, Joey Douglas on Twitter. Uh, Joey asked, "What are the chances of a Heroes Three or Builders Three, and what would you like to see in them?" So, what do you think the chances are? I think they're pretty high for at least one of them. That, I mean, we keep seeing, you know, year after year that one and two are going to be ported to the U.S. on the Switch. And uh, so I think that uh, our chances of getting a three may be higher than that. 
Um, I think Builders 3 would probably be the most likely one because it is, 2 was so successful and uh, has brought a lot of people in that I think 3 is by far going to be the most likely of those two. Builders 3? Yeah, Builders 3. So it's really funny because you didn't listen to last week's episode, but I said the opposite because despite Builders 2's success, the director who's run the series so far left last year. Right. Which I could see it being causing development delays and things like that. That's true. So, but I mean, as far as we know, neither one are in development. Yeah, they haven't mentioned either of them, but... Who knows? So what would you like to see in them? What would you like to see in Heroes 3? Oh man, I would like to see Heroes 3 uh, have a better male protagonist in it more than anything else. Because I love Teresa in 2 and I cannot remember her name in uh, Sophia in 1. Aurora? Aurora, Aurora. Aurora. That's it, Aurora in 1. Like, they're great. And both of the dudes are awful. Like, if I could make... I like Lucius in the first one. Oh, he's so annoying. He's like, oh, we have to have a plan for this. And then stands there and, like, rattles off this whole plan. And then she just goes in and kills things. And I was like, he is so annoying. Like, I cannot... I cannot stand him. I'm with you that Lazarel is super annoying in 2. And Lucius, too. Like, I don't like either of them. I made the mistake of uh, using Lazarel in 2... Uh, and hating him, and then I chose, I think I chose this last time I started Heroes 1 on PC, I think I chose Lucius as well, and I don't like him either. Like, I am just not a fan. So if I have one thing out of Heroes 3, it would be make a real sympathetic, like, interesting male character, because they've got the uh, female characters on lock. Okay, cool. So what about Builders 3? What would you like to see in them? Ah, uh, Builders 3, I honestly would just like to see another story-based one that I hope that they continue the line of making you have a buddy like Malroth that you could uh, have going around that that was what drew me into 2 is that I honestly just want a good sequel to 3. I don't really even want much more from it, just but just another story and no Moonbrook. <laughs> I mean, less combat, honestly. I mean, that was the problem with the game is I liked the combat up till Moonbrook and then it had too much of it that I would just honestly like a game without that level of uh, combat in one of the areas that makes it slog. Yeah, cool. So you would almost want like a, like a Animal Crossing Builders 3. Oh man, you give me Animal Crossing with Builders 3 and I am there. Like I've I've dumped so many hours into both of those. It's like I may never come up for air again if that's the case. (laughs) Yeah, cool. I did say, I did talk about the buddy system a little bit too because I kind of assume that Builders 3 will parallel the story of Dragon Quest 3. I would assume given the way that they've done 1 and 2 or follow it up kind of the way that they've done with 2. So I was kind of hoping that maybe your builder BFF in that one is maybe Ortega because you, you learn a lot about Ortega in three, but uh-huh. you never really get to see him when he's younger or do anything like that and how he gets to be a hero and all. So maybe the builder is what pushes Ortega to be a hero, you know, and I think one, it could be an interesting take on it. You know, thinking about that in the buddy system, I would want you to have more agency because they would not let me rescue Malroth. Yeah, you have to be mean to or Malroth. You have to be mean to Malroth. And I hated yeah. it. Like, I yeah. really, truly hated that part of the game. And that was in Moonbrook, by the way. And <laughs> I absolutely hated it because I didn't want to be. 
like usually we joke on here about how the the responses of saying no are funny. It's like I said no there because I wanted the story to go somewhere different, and they forced me to betray and 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 hurt my best friend who I had been uh, working you know working toward and building this relationship just for a plot point, and there was no other purpose, and they could have done it so much differently. Uh, even the way that they had led the story. Like, I think they dropped the ball there and should fix it in three. The part where you waterboard Malroth uh, yeah. is a little is a little too much. I don't like it. I don't, I don't, I don't like that, it. You don't waterboard Malroth. Like, you, well, you, you torture him. Like, you leave him in there. <laughs> I was just kidding. I know. You, you don't, don't take it that far. <laughs> you don't take it that far. But I tried to break him out and they won't let you. And it's like. Yeah, I tried to, too. Yeah. All right. So we got a few more questions left. Uh, but first, it's that part of the show that we like to call shameless self-promotion. Shameless, shameless. And the best part, arguably the best part of BJ being back, is that he gets to do the shameless self-promotion songs now because I did not like doing them the past two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> we all we all have our, uh, our 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 talents, and this is not one of mine. So as you've probably heard, since we've had some questions from our Patreon patrons, we do have a Patreon page, and you can find that at patreon.com slash dragonquestfm. Uh, you can join our community. You get stickers. You get Discord roles. Uh, it's actually been a year since we launched our Patreon, so we're sending out anniversary presents to everybody that's been with us for a full year. They get their very own Dragon Quest FM mini metal coffee mug. So you get all sorts of cool goodies and you get to help support the show. So if you want to check that out, please just head over to patreon.com slash dragonquestfm. For our community spotlight this week, you may have noticed that our podcast art has changed. So we actually have a little artist spotlight. So BJ, pun intended here, but I want to paint you a picture. Okay. <laughs> the year, the year is 2020. The world is aching from COVID-19. And everyone in the Dragon Quest community is getting art done by Fran Fuentes <laughs> yes. because it's good. Yes. But like, Amazing. but every, so many, so many people are doing that. Have you noticed now? Yeah, like just I've how seen many people? So many. Like, I just saw it retweeted. Like, I saw him have this this art like just being retweeted everywhere. And I saw it, and I think. I think I sent it to you and be like, dude, have you seen this? And then you were like, we should do that. We should t try to commission some for ourselves. That's what you sound because like. Because that's exactly what I sound like. It is. <laughs> so, uh, so why don't you tell them a little bit about Fran here, since you're the one that did the commission and all that. So Fran is one of the nice, and I don't know if it's Fran or Fran, so I apologize. I assume it's Fran because he's Spanish. Spanish, yeah. So so I do apologize if, if we're mispronouncing. But he is one of the nicest people I've ever interacted with on Twitter that uh, just sending the DMs and, and working on the commission was entirely collaborative. Whenever I had an idea, he went with it and just knocked it right out of the park. Like the, the sketches and the line art that was coming back was, was awesome. And then when I got the colorization of it, it was just brilliant. Like you guys can see it on the podcast and incredibly affordable in terms of commissions, which I think a lot of online artists are underselling themselves. So y'all who are out there doing this, you can charge more money and we as consumers of those will pay it. Like do not 
sell yourself short. Um, I made sure to pay more than uh, Fran had asked because it was honestly, I felt bad about even paying that much because I felt it was worth so much more. So I'll, I'll definitely be getting more commissions. And uh, I think that you guys should go uh, check out the work. It's uh, at Fran Fuentes Art on Twitter. Um, I believe it's Fran Fuentes Art on Facebook. And uh, you have a link to YouTube that I have not seen. So you can talk about that. He actually does uh, drawings. He shows you the whole process of all the commissions he's done. That's awesome. I haven't seen that. And he goes in order. He goes in order, but it's delayed from when people like actually do the commissions. Right. Uh, so if he's doing them in order, uh, I would think that the uh, that if he does one for DQFM, that one would be fairly soon. Okay. Um, because the, the latest video that he posted like today while we're recording this is actually where the commissioned art that he did right before ours. Okay. So if he's going in order, uh, I did want to mention his commissions are closed right now uh, because kind of like I mentioned earlier, it seems like everybody is getting him to uh, do art for them as they should because he's fantastic. But the commissions are closed for now. So but be sure to check it out and definitely pay him to do something cool for you once commissions open back up. (laughs) Yeah, for real. And uh, we will be getting more there and we can't wait to commission more from uh, other folks in the community as well. So keep it up, y'all. So getting back to the episode, Q&A, lots of questions for BJ here. Uh, let's just jump straight into it. Now, this one actually was missing from last week because uh, Chris Rowland, one of our Patreon patrons, sent us this question on Patreon, and I had already pre-recorded the episode last week by the time he sent it, so I didn't get a chance to answer it either. So I'm actually going to answer this question uh, as well. Chris, he asked, what was your favorite character or move for attacking metal slimes in DQ11. Uh, so uh, we talk about this a whole, whole lot during the Dragon Quest Eleven Tips and Tricks episode, I believe. Yeah. It's where we mentioned this. Uh, so if you want to hear us talk a whole lot more in depth about it, uh, be sure to check that episode out too. Uh, but for me, I mean, if I had to narrow it down to one character, Eric was 100% my favorite character to use for killing metal slimes in Eleven. Uh, he had the, the liquid metal boomerangs, like I've talked about, yeah. that hit all the time. Uh, plus, you could duplicate Eric, uh, so you'd have like three of him, and you have you know your dual wielding uh, liquid metal boomerangs, and it's just like crazy uh, how much damage you can cause. And then there was critical claim, which is just like a surefire way to kill uh, metal king slimes. I mean, you use it, and it's like bam, instant crit hit, and it dies. I mean, Eric is just unstoppable. I mean, he's amazing. Yeah, I mean, Eric is absurd. I never did duplicate with him to do that, though. I never thought about it with uh, Liquid Metal Boomerangs and uh, and all of it. So um, for me, in terms of the character and move, like it has stayed the same across basically all uh, DQ games, is I, I love Hatchet Man. Um, Hatchet Man and then the spear ability that I can't remember. Uh, is it Thunder Thrust? That uh, is the basically 50% chance of critical at any given time. Uh, I, I think so, yeah. Those are my favorite right. Those are my favorite uh, moves to kill metal slimes. Like, I use it way more than pretty much anything uh, because it, uh, with a 50% chance, I usually get the slimes dead. 
So uh, King Metal Slimes, absolutely, with critical claim and the pet powers and uh, using everything to make them spawn. But just in general, it was Hatchet Man Thunderthrust. Something that I don't think we even talked about in the 11 episode uh, that I wanted to mention, because uh, you were talking about like duplicating Eric and everything, is uh, I used it in the toward the, I think it's the post game, actually. There's the vicious uh, hardy hands, the little liquid metal hands, you know? Yeah. They're called hardy hands. And uh, they, they function the same way as like metal slimes. You know, they can run away pretty quickly. And they also give you like a ton of experience, mm-hmm. even though they're not technically a slime. But anyway, I, I remember using it there a lot uh, in the, the fire mountain outside of Hado, mm-hmm. just off the top of my head. I can't remember uh, the name of that mountain, but uh, you go in there and those hardy hands spawn pretty commonly. I remember having Eric duplicate himself a lot for those hardy hand fights specifically more so that more so than the slimes uh, because I seem to have better luck with my other characters hitting slimes too when they were just normal slimes I get that yeah I was actually surprised in general over just overall how often when I heard when I started playing Dragon Quest I heard that metal slimes like were almost impossible to hit but people hit them way more often than I was initially led to believe yeah well it's also because in later Dragon Quest games, they make it a lot easier. Like, they give you abilities and stuff. Well, that's that true, yeah. 11, you know, you have all these metal weapons and liquid metal weapons, and like king metal weapons. Right, Plus, right. pretty much every character learns multiple moves that can really help attack metal monsters. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's nerfed a lot more than than roaming around in, let's say, Dragon Quest 3, <laughs> and you just have a sword and you're hoping you have enough luck to hit it like right. three times before it runs away. So question number six, I believe. I think so. This one comes from another Patreon patron, Todd. And Todd, he said, I was re- recently listening to old episodes of geek to geek which is BJ's other podcast. And BJ said, I don't like Dragon Quest. I want to like it, but I don't. Yep. What happened to change you from staunchly not liking it to liking it enough to make a podcast about it? Now, I speculated on this a little bit last week. Uh, as to what your answer might be, so I, I want to hear, I want to hear it straight from your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say that, man? All right, so I was very much in the mindset when I said that of the Final Fantasy experimentative, not experimentative, that is not a word. Uh, the Final Fantasy experimental, constantly pushing the boundaries of RPGs. I wanted systems. I wanted to be able to to take advantage of things and uh, really, you know, play that game as opposed to having a just solid, this is very traditional moving forward JRPG. And when I started playing 8, because Bobby started playing, uh, showing pictures on Twitter of Sabercats and how cool the game looked, uh, that was basically in the middle of my mom getting diagnosed with cancer and passing away. So I fell very, very, very hard into JRPGs at that point, where that was my escape, and I ended up uh, playing like nine full hundreds of hours RPGs uh, across like two months. And Dragon Quest VIII was one of them. And it got me to the point where I understood the game, especially in context of all the other stuff, on just how a traditional RPG like that, once I finally, it kind of clicked with me about the time, uh, just right when you get Jessica in the party, that when I was playing all of these others, just what kind of a gem that was 
to be able to sit back and have a pure experience. I didn't have to worry about jobs. And in eight, you don't have, you know, vocations or anything at all. Uh, I didn't have to worry about job points or subclasses or really anything other than I'm playing this game and it is fun. And it really dug in and really cemented, I guess, the uh, what the series was that I just wanted to like it and didn't because it was so traditional that I couldn't wrap my mind around it. Yeah. So what did you say? Uh, I said that you said that because you hadn't played a Dragon Quest game, <laughs> which is kind of true, because outside of playing Dragon Warrior, which you thought you had beaten and did not when you were really young, you didn't play one until Bobby got you into eight. So yeah, so not to not to like rake you over the coals here or not, but you're definitely one of those people who say you don't like Dragon Quest, but you hadn't really played it yet. Yeah. You were that guy. I didn't like eight for the first probably 15 hours of it maybe 10. I don't remember how long it took me to get there because like I've said before, it was so straightforward. You're just putting points in different skills and making them do more and that I just didn't get it. But once I, once I got it and it clicked with, you know, what it was doing, I really did uh, understand what the big deal was. So this kind of goes into our next question here. That one was kind of more specific to you. This one was more specific to me, but I still would like to see your general answer on this uh so elizabeth juarez asked on twitter she said in austin's book he talks about getting into dragon quest for the first time but what drew you in the first place why did you decide to give dq a shot Uh, which i answered uh last week and you know once again thanks for reading my book uh but because i'm so curious um what made you play the series again after dragon warrior as a kid other than Bobby and his saber cats, or was it just purely Bobby and his saber cats? <laughs> um, it was uh, Bobby and the saber cats uh, in concert, uh, is what it was. Um, <laughs> no, it... That that is a good band name, Bobby and the saber cats. I would definitely, uh, I would go to that concert. It sounds like a band on the Flintstones. It does, and I would totally watch an episode of the Flintstones with them. Um, I would go to that concert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. You would. I mean, maybe not now with coronavirus, but like. Last year, I would have gone to a Bobby and the Sabercats concert. (laughs) Yeah, you probably would have. That's true. But no, um, really, it was that same period of time. It was me looking for quality RPGs to to escape into. I saw that one, and it was pretty. And I wanted to give it a shot because I was playing uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 1. I was bravely defaulting uh, just... uh, I don't even remember what all I was into, Chrono Cross, just just everything. And it uh, was just one of those. It it hit at the right time for me to see it and be like, yeah, I'll play that. Uh, Because I needed that kind of in-depth RPG to uh, basically keep my sanity. Yeah. So last question for today. It comes from Corey. He messaged us on Twitter. You on Twitter? Us on Twitter? Message somebody on Twitter. Uh, and said, you guys have talked a lot about the Zenithia trilogy possibly coming to Switch, but if you had to choose a different DQ game, like a spinoff, what would you choose? Uh, I know the GBC Monsters has a, it's a it's Japanese port on Switch, mm-hmm. I think is what he's talking about there. Uh, you think that'll ever come over, or do you want a different Switch port? So, uh, so what's some... Um, different like DQ spinoffs that you would like to come over. I really want the monsters games on switch because I've never played them that I really, really, really want to play them. And I'm actually looking at getting a game boy color or uh, just playing them on my current SP 
uh, to play the original Monsters games because I'm super interested in them and just haven't had the opportunity to. So I would love to see something like that on the Switch. I would love to have Switch versions of like Rocket Slime 3 and Joker 3 because I've heard good things about them. But really, I would love the Monsters games. Like, that's what I want the most on Switch. Um, I would love Heroes 1 and 2 to be able to sit down and do that because it sounds fun. But honestly, I would love the uh, original Game Boy Mon- or Game Boy Color uh, Monsters games. And there is the first one. Yeah. is available in Japanese on the eShop for fairly inexpensive. But again, it's in Japanese. Yep, so I don't read Japanese, so that, that hurts. Yeah, yeah. I, also, I also brought up Rocket Slime 3 last week as well and also um i was just saying uh you know looking ahead for new games we have that eric and mia monsters game that eventually is going to come out the year's going to be like 2042 right. it's going to be on some system that we don't know exists yet and you and i are both going to be old men at the time mm-hmm. but eventually we will get that game <laughs> we will play it and we will put it in this feed like you see that's that's it finally came out we were right we're gonna play as eric mia in 20 years, our voices are going to have that happen. Back in my day, you just put the console in a dock to play it on the TV. It didn't go to your brain first. <laughs> you know that we'll say that at some point. <laughs> uh, so, but also, I said I said a Rocket Slime 4. Like, the time mm-hmm. is ripe for another Rocket Slime game. It's true. And I think because I've played so many indie games that borrow some of the mechanics of Rocket Slime, that Rocket Slime kind of just merges all of these different mechanics together from a lot of indie games that already are on the switch right and i'm just like man put rocket slime 4 on the switch (laughs) and like let's uh, like it'll break out big time it'll take it even further than 11s and builders 2 did you know i think people could really get into a rocket slime game i think they could and honestly i think it would be great if they brought over dino daiboken in or infinity strash uh in Mm -hmm. this fall or whenever it is that they do it like I want a Switch game for that. Like, PS4 and Xbox are great, but I don't play them nearly as much as I do my Switch, and I would love to be able to have that game. Like, if I actually had... If I had my druthers, Austin, I would absolutely (laughs) pick... uh, If I had my druthers... If I had my druthers, I would have gotten Infinity Strash on the Switch instead of the PlayStation. Well, well, I don't think they've said what system that's coming out on yet right did they not because i thought it said ps4 and xbox but i might be wrong and and thinking about i don't think they've actually said what system it's on well i'm hoping for switch like i'm crossing my fingers i'm literally crossing my fingers right now nobody can see it but i am yeah i mean i don't think i've seen anything i mean i'm sure it will come to playstation for sure i don't think i don't think that's in question um (laughs) xbox maybe i mean xbox 11 s is coming to xbox so, i mean it does seem like they're kind of opening up the xbox market yeah switch yeah i mean obviously i would i would love to see it on switch too so yeah. yeah i think at this point um we're just we're just thirsty for some dragon quest games honestly yeah. i mean i got to thinking about it last week when i was talking about some different things on the show is that it was weird because you know you had you had heroes that came out in like 2015 right then you had you had builders one that came out in 2016 something like that yeah because i know yeah i know i was doing geek to geek at the time so yeah it's it's 2016 ish yeah and then you had heroes 2 which came out in 2017 then you had 11 that came out in 2018 then you had dragon quest builders 
2 that came out in 2019, and then you had 11S that came out in 2019. So it's like, and then you have 2020, and it's just like nothing. Mm-hmm. But it's like, for, we got kind of spoiled, you know, there for like five years. There was a new Dragon Quest game like every year. And then now they're kind of pulling a Final Fantasy 15 with re-releasing the same game over and over again and announcing it. Where we're yeah. getting a different, you know, getting the same but different versions of it. Which I'm, I'm all for, but I really would like to have original titles. Oh and, yeah, I'm all for I'm all for eleven getting people into the series, but they are really uh, skyrimming it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Skyrim is probably better than even uh, than even fifteen. Yeah, they're absolutely skyrimming it right now. Hopefully, we will know more about one of these Dragon Quest series in the future uh, because it is kind of a it is kind of a a dry spell. I mean, I guess you could say twenty twenty did get Dragon Quest of the Stars released here. We did. And there is Dragon Quest Tact, and they announced like yesterday, day before, something from when we were recording this about Dragon Quest Rivals Ace, that it's uh, right. going to be a single player thing. But those, but those are, are in Japanese. Japanese <laughs> spin off mobile games. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, Dragon Quest of the Stars, even though we got in English finally in 2020, it's still just a mobile game, which I kind of don't count. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as much as I would, as much as I liked it at first, I just can't get myself back into it. So, so thank you guys for listening uh, to the final part of our listener Q&A and special thanks for everybody who uh, submitted questions to us for the Q&A. And we will be back next week uh, to talk more about uh, Dragon Quest goodies and all sorts of fun stuff. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at Dragon Quest FM, Patreon at Patreon.com slash Dragon Quest FM, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dragon Quest FM. If you want to talk to me personally, you can totally do that. I'm on Twitter at DragonQuestin, and you can check out my Dragon Quest blog. It is DragonQuestAustin.com, and this week there is another new post. This time it is talking about the top 10, my top 10, monster vocations from Dragon Quest Seven. so be sure to check that out if you like Dragon Quest Seven and you want to see some monster vocations. That's all on there. I'm actually excited to read that one. I haven't had time yet because I have not done anything with Monster Vocations yet. So you can also uh, find me on Twitter as at Professor Beege. I'm on the geek to geek podcast uh, that you can find at geek to geekcastcom And you can also join us on Slack and Discord at Discord or Slack.geek2geekmedia.com. And if you would also like to check out all the other really cool content that we have on the network with video game reviews, blogs, and uh, editorials, you can go to geek2geekmedia.com and see all of that. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone.